importa de tu color de piel No quiero más de ahora venir Si soy guatemalteco, mexicano Tengo la cuenta de todo el mundo Hello and welcome to These Old Dogs episode 3. It is July 27th, 2021 and I am your host Kevin Tucker coming to you from Occupied Lenny Lenape and Susquehannock lands. So uh, kicking that off this week we got Los Crudos Unidad Prohibida and that is from the split LP with uh, Spitboy. Came out on Abolition Records. It is one of my all-time favorite records. And um, so there's a couple things about that. And one, the the fun fact for that record is it is outsold Millie Vanilli's second LP, which was just kind of funny to know. Uh, but it is accessible. It's also one of the best LPs I've ever heard. It's definitely one of the best splits ever. Both bands, Los Crudos and Spitboy, are foundational for me. Um, in every way, really. Uh, I, I genuinely love both bands. I hope to be talking about Spitboy a lot more. Uh, Spitboy also just had a remastered double LP edition of their discography called Body of Work come out on Don Giovanni Records. Uh, you should check that out, and I definitely want to get the proper tracks from that to play a Spitboy song. Um, I have to see if I can... I just, I just listened to it on YouTube, which I don't like. But I'll check out and see if I can get it. Also, Don Giovanni Records, if you want to send an LP, I'm not going to say no. Uh, but yeah, both bands, awesome. Both bands seemingly test, standing the test of time. That is an issue. That's kind of the theme of this particular episode. Um, so I do want to say really quick, just like Los Crudos is one of the most down bands I've ever dealt with. Uh, I grew up, I mentioned before, in, in St. Louis, I was going to the Fireside Bowl in Chicago a lot from like, you know, the last end of the, the 90s. Um, saw a lot of bands there. I got to see two of the last three Los Crudos shows and they were fucking amazing. Los Crudos was just always a band that was un, undeniably full of energy, full of power, full of everything. They put it out there. You know, Martine is a hell of a front person. Um, just, you know, as far as the, the ethos and as far as everything I've talked about in this podcast, as far as everything I talk about in my work in general, like that energy and bringing it and just fucking being there, uh, is, is a thing to behold, a thing to see, a thing to experience. Um, yeah, so love those bands. Uh, I did have like, um, one kind of funny story. I've dealt with a lot of bands because of doing uh record and shirt book this rose through the 90s on uh i was printing a lot of different band shirts and stuff like that whenever i forget his name actually the guitarist from los crudos when i saw him at detroit fest i think in 98 um i was printing a los crudos shirt at the time it was from the lp um guys got his hand on a barbed wire fence um of all the people i've dealt with the shirt it's pretty standard procedure it's like you know when the band comes up and is like hey you're printing a shirt like, all right, cool, you know, you can kind of just take some others or I'll print some for you guys. It's pretty common. Uh, he would not take anything. 
Um, he paid me for a shirt, a Los Crudo shirt. I thought that was really fucking cool. Uh, not, not the norm, but just the kind of people they were, the kind of experience they had, the kind of records they put out, everything about them, fucking awesome. So um, there tends to be this thing, though, that makes me nervous about saying this is a really formative record for me, this is a really formative band for me in the punk world because there is always that huge chance things are going to go sideways with it. And it can come in forms that are predictable, and sometimes you kind of know, you hear stories about bands being dicks or people being assholes from them or whatever. And I mean, like, you could be a dick, and that's that's just that. I mean, like, somebody really has to go out of their way to be a fucking asshole and piss you off to make it so you'd have an experience with a band where you wouldn't want to listen to them. And that's happened to me um, with certain bands. But it's not like a call-out thing. Um, you can find out information about people sometimes. It's like iffy. You can't really call them out necessarily. It's not like, hey, don't listen to that band. It's just like, oh, you know, these guys are dicks. I mean, we've heard, I mean, if you've been around this shit long enough, you've heard stories about it. You've unquestionably heard stories about it. But, you know, all these bands are filled with people and people can change. People can also go through phases and try to cover up who they were. And eventually, for the most part, the shit comes out. I mean, the problem in the punk world is most people don't believe it, or most people don't want to believe it. I mentioned before, and this is really what we're going to be talking about this episode, more or less, the whole aspect to which Me Too kind of had its precedent set within the punk world. I mean, we've been calling people out for fucking years. Uh, all these different kind of things happen, but it seems like Whenever I say a band has been like formative or a favorite band of mine, for the most part, it just turns out they end up going to fucking insane direction. So, um, it was Rob from Amoebics, like, ended up butting up with all these conspiracy theorists and uh, Holocaust deniers. I mean, that's it's fucking Amoebics. Amoebics was like the cornerstone of like the entire cross world and profane in terms of this vibe, I mean, you can, it's another one of these things where you kind of hear shit and there's aspects of it's like, well, you know, we know that they got down with bikers and all these people that, you know, I can't be too surprised about being sketchy. The, those people. And it's kind of like, you could just wonder why they would get along with them or anything like that necessarily. Uh, but that's the path they went down. And that was a little while ago. Um, and I, I guess that the final days of it came out and blindsided everybody else from uh, Dow Cross whenever that happened. And it's not pretty bad. A lot of those guys, especially from from Misery, um, they all sounded pretty blindsided by it. Which, you know, a band like that is taking a place across different countries and continents. It's it's a little bit hard to keep track when somebody's as, as isolated as, as he could be. Um, but another big one, um, I ended up doing an interview and it ended up not airing um because there's some issues with the sound and everything but like i talked at length about how much conflict it meant to me uh how how much just the way that the the lyrics and the vocals and everything like that had been presented and pushed forward uh how it spoke to me and influenced me and here um colin who's the vocalist he's been the vocalist one of the founding members it goes on some fucking All Lives Matter bullshit last year during the pandemic. So it's it's nerve-wracking. Um, 
In fact, I have recorded an entire episode. Uh, I accidentally messed up on uh, one of the input things, a technical thing. So I was like scrapping it. I mean, I could have got it back, but at the same time, then I got some news about another band and all this stuff can kind of sit in different places. And so I, I ended up getting a news from about other bands. Um, like, turns out the fucking singer of Infest is a rapist. So they have a very clear, straightforward account um, about that. And that's fucked up. Infest was a huge band. Um, you know, obviously, you're not going to hear them on here. Uh, but this, this kind of thing happens. Um, and that's part of the thing about doing a podcast like this. I felt like the last episode I got to say a lot of good things about punk and what it is and what it can be. And that's probably on the rare side for me uh but this is the other side of it and if you have information obviously do share it um i ended up talking to matt miller i'm mentioning him by name because he's he's going to be on the podcast and hopefully other things but really fucking cool he's been a guitarist for catharsis for 25 years um and talking to him about his experience with this stuff so i'm going to get him on i don't want to say too much about it but kind of talking about some of this other stuff uh, that I've been going through because I've just basically spent like the last week going through all kinds of call-outs and different things. Um, what, what do you do with some of this stuff? Where do you go with some of it? Because I mean, sort of part of the problem is is that if everything kind of just enters this rumor mill, it has a downside of being like unbelieved because nobody has any details. And things can get blown out of proportion to a certain degree, which, which obviously when I'm saying that, it sounds really fucking bad. I'm not saying don't believe survivors. I'm not saying everything like that is the case. It's just that there are instances where somebody could, like, again, somebody could be um, a dick to you without being an asshole who should be cut off from everything. Um, you know, I'm not apologizing for, for anybody. It's just that there's various things that kind of you, you hear, and they're fourth, fifth hand it's kind of hard to decipher. I would, I want to be able to sh be sure that anything I present on this podcast or things that I'm presenting or somebody, you know, ostensibly uh, going to be confronting, uh, which unequivocally will, um, if when I see them, like I want to make sure that that information is correct. Um, and that not, not just that it's correct in terms of like, oh, well, we got to go through this whole process with everything. It's really just like, how do you, how do you articulate where it's at? What kind of, what kind of situation is it? Uh, is it somebody had crossed a line, like in a like in a genuinely, relatively minor way? Not obviously not talking about consent issues, um, but you know, was somebody just presenting themselves? Were they doing things that were just dickish or wrong or uh, inappropriate, whatever, without like violating consent issues or, or anything of that nature? Like if a person's dick, I want to know. But I'm not going to necessarily call somebody out for being a dick. But if somebody has violated consent, then that's a whole other fucking thing. Um, so just really kind of going through all this stuff and talking to Matt. Matt's been working with this stuff for some time. I, I hope he wouldn't mind me saying. I don't think he will. Um, what do we do with some of this stuff? And he put it as a very straightforward way that was really well thought out and articulate, which I don't think that we've... You know, it's the kind of language that needs to be developed more and more, uh, along with believing survivors, along with understanding consent, is what does the person who who made the call out, what is the victim or what is the, the person who is putting this out there, what do they want? Do they want support? Do they want 
accountability? Do they want revenge? Do they want this or that? Like, where where is it at with where they're at? And, you know, as a survivor, to hear that, that's really fucking validating. Like, that's a really good takeaway. I'm, like, really stoked. I mean, that was a huge thing for me to hear. And, again, I'm a, I'm a fucking survivor. I've been doing this shit for a long time and dealing with these kinds of people for a long time. Um, I hadn't heard it articulated necessarily that clearly. And even though it's very obvious, um, that's that. Like, you have to know where the grounds are, what people want. I mean, first and foremost, believe survivors. And also give that survivor their autonomy to be able to say, this is, this is how I see it. This is what I want done. This is what I need. Um, and I, I do have a lot of issues with the way that, that the discussion around accountability has taken place. In fact, I've got a lot of issues with the, the accountability stuff in general. And um, one of the disgusting things we've seen in responses to call-outs, in response to um, Me Too, and now this Punks Too, Metal Too, all these like spitballing things of call-outs is so much shit... Still, I mean, this is like the innate part of patriarchy and, mis- and misogyny and um, cis-heteronormative bullshit. So much still centers on the aggressor, the abuser. Like, well, what do we do with them? What about their side of the story? What about this and that? It's not that, you know, necessarily all these things are relevant. But, like, you know, let's get to the survivor first. Give that survivor what they need. And the first and foremost thing every survivor needs is... To be fucking believed. Like, that's why there haven't been all these call-outs. That's why there hasn't... There's been times where, you know, a lot of us knew this shit was going on or knew varying degrees of it or had heard at least... Um, I mean, fucking decades this has been going on in the anarchist world, the punk world. It doesn't fucking matter. These people who are out here screaming about patriarchy and they're screaming about all this other shit, these fucking men, these cis-hetero white men, are out here screaming about all this shit and then they're using that as a way to fucking squeeze their way in and manipulate um, women or men and any anywhere else on like the entire gender, sexuality, sex sphere and lines and everything like that, or just the universe, doesn't matter. Like predatory shit is taking place in this realm unequivocally, unquestionably. This stuff is happening. We know it's been happening, and. The the fact of the matter is, is like not being talked about, not being dealt with, creates an air of permissibility that has made it so that most of these assholes survive the call-outs. You know, people want to talk about cancel culture and all this shit. It's like, whatever. The fucking abusers basically live on. Um, they have some inconvenience or something like that. And uh, it's it's really disgusting. It's really sickening. But, like, you know, first and foremost, I mean, again, I, I, it's something that I want to talk about, something I want to discuss. Can accountability processes even actually work? Um, I've seen people use them plenty of times to try and manipulate uh, or keep people. I mean, like, it's, it's fucking ridiculous as saying shit just to keep a person on, a, on an upcoming tour. Um, you know, so I'm going to have to talk about uh, in some other episodes. But, like, these are serious questions. But the biggest thing is... The entire error permissibility that exists is because the centering remains on the abuser or the uh, the accused abuser. It's the fucking wrong way to go about it. And it gives no space for uh, the survivor at all. 
And first and foremost, being believed itself is an act of empowerment from a unquestionably, undeniably disempowering situation. Uh, I mean, it's still insane to me that in 2021, anybody's having any discussion about any issues as far as sexual assault and boundaries, all this kind of stuff, power dynamics and abuse, as about being about sex and not about power. It's always about power. It's always been about power. That's all it's ever going to be about. It's fucking power. And to turn it into being about sex is just like, let's just hand this fucking, uh, I don't know, let's hand a fucking tank to Joe Rogan. Let's just see what happens when these fucking assholes go on about alpha males or whatever kind of bullshit's going to come out of their fucking mouths to try and justify their own bullshit behavior. And that's just wrong. I mean, that's just disgustingly wrong. I mean, I, w- I would hope that it should be known that a primary premise for this podcast of all the work I do is egalitarianism, is anarchy, is removing power, removing power dynamics from all situations. I mean, this like the lessons we have about the state, about civilization, about industrialism, racism, sexism, classism, colonialism, all these things repeat in, indefinitely in various forms of our lives, in various places in our lives. So it's the nature of how power functions. It's the nature of how power works. And it's been really crucial uh, in the work that I do, talking about civilization, talking about domestication, something my wife Natasha and I talk about often, both on our podcasts and writing and everything else, is that you know there had been kind of like a false notion or a safety that had been granted by historicization. Like the process of people saying things like, you know, this fall from Eden kind of narrative and all the different ways that it articulates. And one of those things was saying, 10,000 years ago, domestication starts, we go from hunter-gatherers to horticulturalists to agriculturalists. You know, these kind of like mass unilateral changes, which are unequivocal bullshit, just ridiculous bullshit. But it just kind of like breeds in these various ideas by historicizing a thing, by turning it from a process to an event of saying, well, that's done and over with. Now it's not like genie's out of the bottle. That's where that's at. Virtually never is that the case. Um, these processes go on. We're not domesticated in the sense that we're innately changed from a nomadic hunter-gatherer born, you know, 100,000 years ago, 50,000 years ago, 70,000, 20,000, whatever years ago, or born right now under different circumstances. We just have this ongoing indoctrination process that is domestication, that is a a constant ongoing thing to try and break us and make us succumb to the wills of the state, to civilization, of the society. And, you know, it's really important in all regards and in all respects to understand that these processes go on because they're not just at the level of the state dealing with you. I mean, this happens at work. This happens with like the nature of consumerism and it happens with everything else. Uh, Barbara Ehrenreich put it really fucking well when she's talking about rituals of domination. These ongoing, persistent things that happen in our lives to keep things in certain place, it all comes down to power. So it doesn't matter that punks and even some degrees of metal and stuff like that have had this politic to them and have had this ethos and and all this other shit if we're not checking and regulating 
the way that these systems perpetuate in our own lives in every single regard, then this is what happens. And if people are being disempowered and having to deal with that suffering on their own and having to deal with this stuff as a survivor without any kind of community, without any kind of support, that's how these things perpetuate. And then the fact that those things are perpetuated and the fact that these things are happening and nothing is being done about it and nobody's being confronted about it, that's the air of permissibility that means that it just keeps fucking happening. And so when you're seeing that, that culture, this disgusting culture that is very prevalent, both in anarchist, punk, metal worlds, um, when you see that happening and you see the way that the abuser is centered in a call out, and then the way that it's being justified and everything like that, like the merits of this person's musical career or writing or this or that or the other tend to become the focus as though, you know, nothing ever happened or that just the, the perpetuation, the continuation there is just that the survivor is first and foremost not heard or believed. And the fact that they're not other survivors have not been heard or believed is used to justify well, if it didn't happen then, why is it happening now? It's like, okay, well, the change has to fucking start somewhere, right? That's really what the whole Me Too issue was really about, was the change has to start somewhere, and it needs to be here, and it needs to be now. Like, they cannot go on any longer. As with a lot of this stuff, you know, I mean, there will be times, I'm sure, where I could play a band, and then I'll hear something about it, and it's like, shit, um, I regret that. I wish I had known that. But you, you only know what you fucking know. But once you know it, you can't pretend you don't. And so much punk likes to play with that line to a disgusting degree. And I still want to believe that it's changing. I still want to believe that, that that's happening. And I mean, the language is certainly there. Like the language of consent is has come a long fucking way. The language of acknowledgement, the way of expressing and understanding boundaries, the way of discussing like these massive spectrums in terms of just identity uh, are are very different now than they were five years ago before the 10 years ago but certainly before they were in the 90s and as as we had come across them in all these different scenes so i mean that's a good thing um but it does mean that you do have to like really fucking listen you do have to understand and you do have to know and address the fact that we have all heard a lot of shit in our time that we should have acted differently on quite often is the case. Um, and there's a lot of stuff. I've been kind of going through all this stuff that's coming out of Finland right now. Uh, the punks too, hashtag punks too stuff. Um, it looks like a lot of these specific bands, things were taken down. I'm still going through it and I'm, I'm very new to it. I just started going through it last night, but in some of the reporting I've seen, people talking about their experiences from the 90s and 2000s and on and it's just the same stories like just rampant sexism rampant like disrespect power dynamics rampant not believing survivors uh for for any kind of trespass uh so you know it's it's something to pay attention to Obviously, it's something that it's like it's not even to pay attention to. It's something that needs to be in, immediately incorporated. Like if you're not changing, then what's the fucking point of any of this stuff? If you're not taking in new information and dealing with it 
and learning how to not just be groveling about what I should or shouldn't have done. I mean, which, you know, I'm not saying isn't an issue, but the primary thing is like, okay, I need to take this and understand it, accept and recognize that there have been issues here, there have been faults here, and how do I move forward with this? How do I correct this situation? Um, and it's not just a matter of like getting to that point because you were called out for this, that, or the other, but just being a fucking human and understanding how we interact with other people does matter. I mean, this is this is what we were promised. If you go back through the lyrics, if you go back through everything about punk, if you go back through like the days of Crust and punk when it was just straightforward political shit, like this is this is the idea that we were sold on. It just wasn't created or captured in the culture in a way that was significant enough. But it still has to fucking change. And that begins with this. It begins with believing the survivors and changing this fucking focus away from centering abusers and starting to understand more about these dynamics and how they play out in every aspect of our lives. And it doesn't mean that all trespasses are the same or anything like that. And people who want to try and say like, okay, well then if this is this and this is that, then what's this or that? Like, I mean, I know that was a confusing thought, but um, like that kind of whataboutism shit is a way to distract that core issue of saying like, okay, like I'm not, I'm not going to approach this from a defensive position. It's trying to get you in a defensive posture so that you can philosophize about the shit or whatever the fuck it's you're going to end up doing to sit here and try and justify not believing survivors or not recognizing and changing behavior. Like it's disgusting. That's just not the way it works. So yeah, we're going to be talking about that more, but that's, that's where that's at right now. Let's, let's jump a song in here real quick.
Okay, I can't talk about Spitboy like that and um, not just play him. So that was actually one of the remastered tracks from Body of Work, which is the remastered, uh, remixed version from Don Giovanni Records uh, that just came out. It's fucking awesome. Uh, so the song was Violent Tongue, and that's off the True Self Revealed LP, uh, which came out at Abolition 93, I think. Uh Awesome. I mean, their entire fucking... It's one of the things about Los Crudos and Spitboys. Both their discographies are incredible. Both of them have double LP discographies. And uh, Crudos... Um, uh, La Vida... Uh, hmm, I'm forgetting the name of the, the record label, but crucial albums to have. Um, if you're going through this looking for stuff to, to grab... Like, by all means, I would say these two discographies are incredible. But also, um, if you get that through Bandcamp, the Don Giovanni Bandcamp, uh, Michelle Gonzalez is the drummer from Spitboy and also Instant Girl. Instant Girl is Spitboy without Adrian um, Trugas. And... She wrote a book called The Spitboy Rule. You can get that through there. And also they got Spitboy shirts and shit too. So there's some cool shit to get from there. Uh, I have not read her book yet. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I really would love to. I also do really love Instagirl. Um, and in fact, I've only seen Instagirl. I managed to miss Spitboy uh, through their, their whole time there. I didn't get to see him on tour. But right after Adrian left and they started Instagirl, I got to see them, which was fucking awesome both really good bands in fact i'm going to play an instant girl track here in a second but first while we've got adrian drugas in the mix here um she went on actually to os rotten for a bit um maybe behind enemy lines no i think it's also right yeah i think i'm uh and now we're back to our programming lp the second lp from os rotten uh, but yeah, just another incredible vocalist, really awesome. But I wanted to bring that up again because I have to say that in talking at all about Osrod, and I've got some friends that are going to be coming on the podcast here pretty soon. We got a lot more Osrod and song, or I'm sorry, stories. We'll have more songs as well. Um, fucking Osrod is one of the bands that like is really aging well. It's really standing the test of time. In fact, I think every story I hear about Osrod, and I mean, again, I lived outside of Pittsburgh and played in Pittsburgh for forever. I was around there for like a decade. Um, I've been around been around those guys a lot. Like every story I hear actually makes them better. So like as far as me being pissed off that Colin just really ruined conflict for me, um, as far as that vocal delivery, as far as having a lot of lyrics and being very straightforward and being very angry, um, also, Rodden does that as well. So, you know, one down, but the the loss there is lessened by the fact that also Rodden's pretty fucking rad. So, they're going up in the ranks. But I just wanted to throw that out real quick, and uh, let me throw an Instagram track on.
right, so that was Instant Girls Party from the post-coital LP. Uh, it came out in 1996, and you can tell the style is a little bit different from Instant Girl. It's a little uh, looser, like, Spitboy is pretty fucking heavy, really. Um, not just, like, lyrically and thematically, but, like, musically. Um, it's got a lot of fucking meat to it. It's it's an incredible band. Uh, Instant Girl, not, not a slam on or anything like that. It was just a little bit, like, more looser and uh, almost a little, a little more, uh, you know, they, they avoided Riot Girl very specifically, but kind of a little more of that vibe. Um, but yeah, I don't want to dismiss it or throw that out in any way, kind of like that. Um, but just just a little bit different, but I, I still really do like them and seeing them in 96 was really fucking awesome. I can't remember if I saw them with Subhumans or no, Citizen Fish, uh, but it might have been like two days apart. Um, I can't remember if they played together or not. It was 1996 so you'll just have to forgive me or not I mean, you fucking hate me forever for not remembering that but I don't remember the specifics of it uh, just happened and uh, it was a really good show but yeah those records are really awesome but the long story short those Spitboy and Los Cruz LPs are fucking amazing so switching gears very slightly um, I know I mentioned before about how unfortunate it is that the cost of seven inches have gone way up because it's such a perfect format um, for a lot of punk bands and I mentioned dirt being one of those bands and so in line with some of the stuff we talking about today and some of the stuff that meant a lot to me in the 90s and to a lot of other people and created an ethos that really fucking spread uh, for a chunk of us at least hopefully um dirt's one of those fucking bands is right there and has that aggression has that power coming across real fucking strong real real really really good i said real too many times there but you know that's just what they do they're that good um the dirt mankind seven inch is the one i'm going to focus on right here and that one so that came out in 1994 on tribal war records um, and so Dino's a vocalist from Dirt, and there's all kinds of stories about Dirt and uh, their origin stories and everything like that. Uh, Dino ended up leaving, I think, for a, for a tour, and um, Stacy, I believe, who's the vocalist from Mankind, ended up filling in for Dirt. Uh, and Stacy also went on to be in Callist, who you know had some other stuff on uh, Propane and Propane, sorry, Profane Existence and Scold. And, uh, yeah, so, like, both sides of that record are really good. I just don't think I have any of the Mankind stuff available on my computer at the moment. Uh, and I'm, I'm just going to play this, the dirt half of that 7-inch, which is the songs Manhunter and Deaf, Dumb, and Male. So that's what I'm going to play right now. I bet you think you're pretty smart, huh? Think you could outsmart a bullet? <laughs>
All right, so one of the big dirt songs off the Son of the Kill EP, which is also really fucking good, is Plastic Bullets, which is actually a cover of a band that I cannot remember the name of, and I forget all the stuff surrounding that for right now, but just kind of how it goes. But in my non-sequential way, the nature of this podcast, I think of Dirt, Son of the Kill, Belfast, talking about... uh, other bands to link to. So I said I want to talk about bands that typically get kind of overlooked. So one of the big ones that was formed out of Belfast that to me has always been like, you know, I love I love the underdog bands. Um, the stuff that gets overlooked, the stuff that doesn't necessarily get as much hype. Uh, that takes some hilarious forms. Like when I was a kid, like in the thrash metal days of the late 80s, the mid-late 80s, um, you know, I loved hair metal. And I love, like, the heaviest stuff I get to. I like Thrash a lot. Um, like, I fucking loved Rat. I felt like uh, Out From The Cellar was an album that didn't get enough attention from the people I knew. Um, but, you know, just kind of get drawn to that kind of thing and, and finding something that I think has some resonance and staying power with me that, for whatever reason, they don't necessarily get picked up. I mean, you know. Of course, I like bands everybody likes too as well, or that are very get a lot more attention. But Jobby Cross never got enough attention, uh, in my opinion. Uh, some of the members went on to form a band called Dagda, um, it's like slightly more attention. Um, but Jobby Cross was really fucking great. They have a a number of albums, a number of splits. There's a discography, a two discography. And I don't actually even know if it came out on vinyl. Um, but I had all the records. They're, they're not necessarily easy to find. And I was very graciously gifted uh, a copy of the uh, Descent of Man LP to replace the ones that I had uh, been pushed into selling some time ago now. But fucking great band. So I'm going to play a track from them.
So that was Jobby Crust from the the song is Crutches, and that's from the Blowfield, sorry, the Blowfeld split LP that came out in 1998. Um, they have, like I said, they have some really cool shit. The Descent of Man LP is really good. Um, in terms of discography, uh, which I did check, I think it is just out on CD. Um, yeah. Uh, there's some stuff they did that was like the, the Visigoth split LP, the Blofeld split LP, Victor Safnar and split LP. Those were all really good. And that stuff came out between 96 and 99. Um, yeah, it's really a band I really like. The first half of the discography, um, you know, I don't know, it wasn't wasn't quite as great in my opinion as the second half but as far as the like kind of black and cross trajectory uh they um they were one of the ones that were really good at it, really good at creating the the dynamics to it and using the dual vocals in ways that i thought were great in fact um uh, the guitarist who i'm going to be in dagda and vocalist as well um he wrote me in like 2000 trying to see if i could help him trade uh some Dagda stuff or um Jobby Cross stuff for from Ashes Rise. So it kinda of made sense to me. Uh it's very cool. Uh it's great records and everything like that. So um they're cool. Definitely check them out. But um I think I'm gonna go ahead and wrap this up. I'm looking forward to a lot of discussions that are going to be coming up here and I need to actually start booking those conversations so I could get them on here. Uh, but there's going to be a lot of good stuff. But like I said, one of the things about this is if you do have information, if you do know people do need to be called out or things that I need to be draw, have drawn to my attention, uh, especially if it's a band that I've played and I don't seem to be aware of any of the issues with, let me fucking know. Please do. Um, also tell your friends. Like this is a this is a very different kind of podcast, and I want to do some other stuff too as far as like um, anarchist punk record bookstores and stuff like that like you know i mean it's been a fucking hard year uh it's been hard year across the board hard year for book publishers including black and green press which my books and more are available at blackandgreenpress.org um but uh if if somebody's cool if somebody's like doing good shit like let me know give a shout out if you're um, if you've got a record store uh that you're listening to this then cool like let me know i'm gonna draw people towards your attention or get get people's attention um you know there's some ones that i deal with that are really cool stuff like a wooden shoe in philly it's an anarchist bookstore they carry black and green titles they have um they have some punk stuff and everything like that as records as well abraxas in portland maine we'll give a shout out to them you know if any of you guys want to send me records cool i'll take it but i just want to support people and let you know too like i mean i know times are tough times are hard but um people trying to provide the service i mean that it was a huge thing for me i mean most of what i learned about i learned through tape trading but i mean even from my days getting into metal um and thrash and hair metal and stuff like that when i was younger like concrete corner tape mixes stuff like that like listening stations at a local record store introduced me to a lot of shit tape trading introduced me to a lot of shit and there's some people who are going to have record stores that have just been doing it for a long time they're going to have all kinds of cool suggestions um and hopefully get more of that kind of vibe and what I'm hoping to do from them. So by all means, you know, throw some support and uh, let me know if you're out there and if you're listening. And I appreciate that. And uh, I, will, I will acknowledge it. 
But yeah, if you do hear anything, by all means, do contact me. And if you have any information you want to share, if you have stories you want to share, also just so you know, the way I'm handling um, bringing other people in for the podcast is it's like a discussion instead of just an interview. It is the nature of this podcast to be non sequitur, be free flowing. And so I don't want to put any pressure on anybody to be like, you're here to do this thing and you have any anxiety or anything surrounding that. Let's just sidestep all that shit. Let's just talk. You can say what the fuck you want to say. Whatever. That's what we're going to be. So the discussions will be like that. Uh, not that I don't respect or don't want to draw attention to this sort of stuff. I just kind of want to remove some of this shit. Um, so yeah. Uh, if you want to be on, if you have just stories you want to have to tell or anything like that, or you just have stuff you want to send me to read or questions, fairledge, F-E-R-A-L-E-D-G-E at gmail.com. And then, uh, at gathered remains on Twitter and, uh, black and green press on Instagram. No, no Facebook stuff right now. Uh, but yeah, you can hit me up on any of those channels and please do share and spread the podcast if you like it. If you have anything to say about it, just let me know. And uh, yeah, we'll go from there. But let us close out with... Let's do uh, let's do Fields of Shit. Uh, Fields of Shit ended up being... Uh, I know, at least know the vocalist, Filth, and you'll, you'll hear in the song um, some very clear nods to uh, Filth and the Filth Blood Split. Uh, but this this album came out on Life is Abuse, I think. Um, and it was just a 10-inch, but it was really cool. Uh, another one I really liked. Uh, it's got a lot of that same kind of energy. But, um, yeah, should say, too, the podcast is now available on, like, the standard podcast platforms. And past episodes are also on blackandgreenpress.org backslash these-old-dogs. So everything you're looking for, that should be where you find it. And I appreciate you listening, and here's Fields of Shit playing us on out. See you next time.
Let you back 